0: Hello everyone, this is Asbed Bedrosyan.
1: And this is Hovik Manucharyan.
0: And we're talking with Gev Iskajian on the latest conditions and events during the Artsakh blockade. Gev, as you remember, is with the ANC in Artsakh, nagorno karabakh He lives in Stepanagird. Today is August 19, 2023, and this is the 250th day of the Artsakh blockade.
1: Hey Gev, thanks for joining us again.
2: Hi Gev. Hey guys, good to be on.
1: Gev, uh, last time we talked about a month ago, but it. Honestly, it feels like a year because just maybe uh, the amount of stuff that has transpired. We've had kidnappings at the illegally set up checkpoint. We've had uh, more deaths and news about people dying from famine. Uh, We have constant news about Azeri military aggression, farm equipment being destroyed so that people can't even conduct regular agriculture. So I don't know that we could talk about many things, but I wanted to ask you to brief us on what are the most important things that you're seeing on the ground today? Yeah, I think, you know, the the most
2: important thing to keep in mind, as you rightfully mentioned, uh, we had our first recorded case of starvation. We had a uh, young mother who suffered miscarriage because we couldn't get her to the hospital in time due to the fuel shortage. Um, And we have all of these like compounding situations. And, you know, anyone that's, if you take any finite system, uh, something with a set amount of supplies of goods, like Artsakh is today, every day those resources get depleted. And every day as those resources get depleted, the situation becomes tougher for the people of Artsakh. And I think we've noticed in the last couple of weeks, it's hit a critical juncture um, where the majority of the population is eating one meal a day, where you have reported deaths directly attributed to this blockade. And unfortunately, again, as you mentioned, uh, this hasn't really stopped Azerbaijan. We've seen in a positive aspect, the groundswell of international attention to some degree. Uh, there's more press coverage around the issue, but sometimes I'm afraid that that press coverage doesn't necessarily uh, lead to Azerbaijan you know uh, putting its foot off the gas pedal in terms of ethnic cleansing here I, I, in fact I, I think sometimes it encourages them to move faster
1: I agree I mean in, in, compared to let's say you know Azerbaijan does uh, one brazen act okay and there is some press coverage but it's not like anyone is holding their hand to repeat that so uh, even the UN Security Council discussion, it was okay you know a lot of countries condemned azerbaijan but no one actually really uh, there was no uh, announcement from the president of the council there was no resolution and many see that as actually maybe an encouragement for azerbaijan to continue its genocide and yeah actually we... on that note can Go i ask ahead.
0: you a question yeah. what do you think is artsakh government's expectations both from the unsc as well as its expectations from the armenian government were these expectations met with that council meeting?
2: I would say the simple answer is no, especially in light of any tangible results. So, you know, some of the member states of the UN Security Council spoke and some of them spoke well. However, none of that was followed up with any resolution, obviously, or any action that would be, you know, followed upon by the, either the member states or the Security Council itself. And I think, That's disappointing. But it's something that, you know, throughout the last few weeks, I've been when I'm talking to folks, I've been trying to prepare them for in the mindset that like, look, even if the Security Council, uh, you know, uh, session happens, there's a good chance they're only going to talk. And even if they do pass some type of resolution, the teeth of that resolution, the hard, tangible results coming from that resolution, uh, it's going to be tough to extract. And unfortunately, uh, we're besieged, we're blockaded. Uh, There's a lot of hopes that people had upon these international institutions and these mechanisms, but I think they are starting to realize to a certain degree, we are on our own.
0: Yeah, because I've heard about how these meetings go and all of the hard diplomatic slug happens before the meeting itself. And at the meeting, they already know they're going to be advancing a resolution or something. And I didn't hear that any resolution was on the table at any point. And I'm not even sure if all that diplomatic work was done one on one with all the Security Council members. um,
1: The short answer is no, but even worse, if you look at the agenda of the Security Council, the justification for the meeting was to be, uh, was mentioned the September 13, 2022 letter by Armenia. Accusing Azerbaijan of attacking, you know, if you remember, there was a short but very deadly war that happened uh, yes. on those two days. Uh, so it's not even that Armenia is putting on the UNSC agenda the fact that there is a blockade. You know, it's just a continuation of an old agenda. Uh, that's how it was presented. Look, I I think um, you you
2: guys pointed something out. A lot of that wrangling that's supposed to happen, that diplomatic work that's supposed to happen behind the scenes does not happen on that UN Security Council stage. It happens beforehand. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think that we mustered enough gumption or enough political cachet for it to result in in something more tangible. And I think a big bulk of Armenia's diplomatic capacity has been reduced to begging and asking um and i don't think you can you know conduct diplomacy that way
1: okay give so coming to internal artsakh developments about 3 weeks ago or so uh arthur tomasyan the speaker of the artsakh parliament or president he had made some i guess um gaffe verbal gaff, or let's hope it's a gaff. and uh, but uh, you know he said that armenians and azerbaijan have uh Lived together for millennia, or something like that. Uh, when Azerbaijan as a state, uh, you know, it was established in 1918. But he resigned uh, the week after that, He cited health reasons. But the silver lining, many that of us see, uh, is that David Ishkanian from the ARF was elected. So he, we now the the, the speaker of the Artsakh Parliament is, an, is a is member of the ARF. However, I mean, I have to mention that his nomination was presented by the ruling regime, so by alaik Harisunyan. So at least there's some kind of a discussion and agreement. And what I sensed from the opposition in the Artsakh parliament was uh, kind of a lukewarm in that, you know, let's wait and see what happens. Not that, you know, the, they all sort of welcomed it. I mean, they welcomed it officially, but they were not the party initiating this uh, appointment or this nomination. So I wanted to ask you how you see the developments from the inside, and what extra tools does David Ishkanyan's uh, new position give him? Mm-hmm. And uh, any other you know thing that I missed or that you think yeah. is worth to mention? So, you know, in starting from the beginning in
2: regards to Tov statements, I think that's mostly a gaffe, to be honest. Uh, I want to be fair to him, but I also think that it was time for a change in terms of the Artsakh parliament, because the political state of things had gotten a bit stale. I, uh, as someone uh, that, you know, knows David Ishkanian very well, he has my utmost trust on a personal level. Um, And I also think that he has been a really like steady voice in the Artsakh parliament, a steady voice uh, for the opposition. And look, I I don't think that um, he was picked by the ruling party because we're going to work well together or anything along those lines. I think that The ruling party itself has pressure amongst the people and a natural consequence is that members of the opposition who are supposed to hold them accountable are going to be elevated to uh, higher roles or that pressure is going to get to that government. I think having David as a speaker of parliament serves as like one more layer of a check and balance against the uh, government of Artsakh, against uh, Araik's party. And, you know, I think that uh, any major decisions that would happen, now the opposition will be informed, we hope. And if the opposition doesn't agree, if David Ishkanian doesn't agree, if it goes against our principles, we will take the appropriate steps through the means and mechanisms allotted to us in the Constitution to oppose it. So I do think that uh, this is overall a, a good development. That being said, we obviously know that. The government, in, in to some sense, is going to want to bring in someone from the opposition to quell some of the concerns of the populace. But knowing David Ishkhanian, knowing the stance of the ARF in Artsakh, we are not going to necessarily uh, bend or break to any of his qualms.
0: Yesterday, there was some news that the Internet was cut off, apparently, for about 24 hours. Obviously, we're talking to each other, so we have some connectivity. Um, what's the situation with the whole internet, gas, electricity, food, um, in, in a couple of sentences?
2: Look, I think it, it, it's becoming tough. The this food situation is grave, guys. Uh, if you know, A few months ago, we were talking about only finding a, a few types of food supplies. Now you're talking about the vast majority of stores being closed. As I mentioned earlier, you're talking about people reducing their food intake to a meal a day, if that. Um, and then I think, you know, that internet stuff is very concerning to me. I think that, you know, we don't have access to international journalists, observers, or anything like that. Uh, the world relies on the voices of Artsakh to, uh, you know, the, not just the world, actually, the, the also the Armenian nation at large relies on the word of the people of Artsakh to get information out. And when they blockade us, from access to communication and information, that becomes very dangerous. And I say this because, and I don't think that this is a coincidence, they cut off our fiber optic line five minutes before a press conference that we were going to hold here with the ICC prosecutor that had stated that what's going on is an act of genocide. Um, So I think the ASEIs are acutely aware of uh, some of the media attention that's come about and some of
1: our efforts here, and they're going to do everything possible to derail it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the it, it should be worth mentioning to uh, international media that are listening to this, because I know that actually some of them have actually reached out to us. Uh, you know, we please continue covering this, because as Gev mentioned, there is so little uh, information going out, and we, you know, I think that it, it would serve, it would be just to make sure that, International media covers this properly and counterbalances Azerbaijan's overt and very large-scale propaganda efforts. Uh, for instance, just today, we we learned that uh, the illegal Azerbaijani checkpoint—they're also preventing the repatriation of a dead person. So Helen Dadayan, who unfortunately died in a car accident uh, or in a vehicular accident in Armenia itself, she was in Armenia studying. Um, I mean, uh, it, it sounds ridiculous, and it would sound very ridiculous. Uh, you know, before this all of this happened to me, I would say there's some kind of a you know misinformation. But feel free to check out yourself. But you know, her body is being prevented from being repatriated to her native Chartar village, uh, so that it could be buried there. I mean, that's that's the level of Armenophobia, and uh, that's the level of genocidal intent by the Aliyev regime. And to close, I also, um, you know, give. I know you, you your, your resources are limited. It's not like you're sitting right next to Alaik or David Ishkanian for what it's worth. But, uh, you know, we hear that we worrying news that there are troop movements, that Azerbaijan is basically constructing a case in the media of Armenia's continuing to retain military presence in Artsakh, where we know that's not true. And that's our defense army in Artsakh but how likely do you see the overt and actual hot war starting again god forbid but you know what are what you see what are you sensing on the ground look if we have a scale of
2: like green orange red of like how worrisome it is and let's say throughout the majority of the last Two years, I've only seen it come to red maybe twice, and in those instances, we had these skirmishes right before the Aghabno territory was given away, and right before the war that you guys mentioned earlier in the podcast in in September. It is at that juncture right now. Now I can't, you know, guarantee and say that Azerbaijan is going to attack, but but from what we've seen in terms of troop movements, from reports that we are hearing, uh, they are gearing up. Uh, at the very least gearing up for something on a big scale Um, and it's something that should be worrying and you know my parting words uh, today would be that uh, things aren't getting easier as time goes by things are getting more dangerous resources are running lower and the most concerning of all this Azerbaijan is becoming more brazen
1: I wish there was a good note to end this on but this is uh, this is it I think
2: Yeah, look, there's no good note to end it on, especially in these times. But I think the best thing that we can do is be aware and prepared. A lot of times these things hit us with shock. um, And before people can uh, rightfully analyze the situation or realize what's going on, let's say the, the skirmishes, the war is kind of over and we lose land, we lose territory, we lose boys. I think now at this juncture, we have to know what's ahead of us and you know there may be things we can do there may be things we can't do but being prepared is essential
0: yeah uh as a, a parting comment on my part i want to repeat what Hovik said that we have some international media that listen to us we try to stick to the facts on this uh, show and we want to make sure that you know what's going on from the ground up and um second is that as far as expectations go i'd like everyone to know that the united Nations security council meeting and discussing artsakh is not an end to itself um so nothing has been achieved just by a discussion absolutely okay uh thank you gil for joining us today
2: thank you Uh, glad to be on guys we'll talk soon